What's going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. We survived Vegas. We did survive Vegas. Welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only longest-running, alleged longest-running Phoenix Suns podcast. That is made for the fans. That's you guys. By the fans, that is us. As always, intro and outro music is provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over on OceansOverAirplanes.com. Give us a follow. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at SoSaysJPaul. At DervishVoro. And the pod is at FanTheFlamesNBA. We're available on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. The use of platforms, rate, review, subscribe. What are you doing over there, Paul? I don't know. I found a uh, Barbie-sized mitten. Hmm. Tangent number one. All right. Sweet, sweet, sweet. We're coming at you from our new studio. <laughs> Recording just at my house instead of Paul's this week. So anyway, we're going to get into some Phoenix Suns talk. A lot of action going on in the NBA recently. A lot of movement occurring. And as Paul alluded to, and we'll start like off the ground. Here. Yes, exactly. As Paul <laughs> alluded to, or maybe didn't allude to, Expressly stated, we survived Vegas, we saw zero Suns basketball, experienced more earthquakes than number of Suns players we saw play on the court. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's accurate. That was good. Um, I've got a couple different thoughts that I have on the Summer League games that we did have an opportunity to see, and we went two days. We ended up going Friday. As Paul mentioned, we were there for the earthquake, Uh, as Espo mentioned on Solar Panel the other day as well. We were there with Espo for the earthquake. Um, But Paul... What, yeah. what, 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 what are your takeaways from sun, Summer League? What are your thoughts on Summer League, I guess? Because as a Suns podcast, we can't really have many takeaways from Summer League, at least as far as our time there goes. But Suns-related for exactly, our time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, it, was, it was very crowded. It, Summer League has definitely... It is still growing. It's definitely... I mean, they sold out the first two days, like before we even thought about buying tickets, which was a bad move on our part. Te- technically, I'll come clean here. <laughs> no, they sold out before I asked you it about them. <laughs> it wasn't before we thought about buying them, though. I don't think the second day was not sold out before you asked me to buy them. Okay, that much I can assure you was the case, but it worked out well because when we went on the second day, we got them cheaper than they w- we got them for less than face value. That yeah, that's true. Yeah, we also then had to pay twice face value to get them the first day. Well, not quite twice. Yeah, I don't even know. No, it wasn't twice, was it? it, was it might have been more twice. than twice. Yeah, okay, yeah, maybe it was more than twice. <laughs> it was a lot for nothing. For nothing. Hey, we got hey, to see Zion. We did get to see Zion. Zion, that, and that that let me now interject because that's one thing that I wanted to talk about, and I'll go ahead and just say it now since we just mentioned his name, Zion. I Fat. thought. He's fat, yeah. He's he is he's doughy. He is doughy yeah. right now. Like Zion's a big dude, but when that jersey was pulled taut on him in that game, it wasn't like oh I'm Looked a big like dude. Check a out these check out these sweet abs that I have. It was like I've been eating a lot of donuts recently. Beignets. Now, he's in New Orleans. Now, Beignets. Now now, <laughs> by all means, this is not a knock on Zion because he's a gigantic human being. I would never want to piss somebody off, but he looks fat. Yeah. And but he was still flying. He was, dude. The guy is athletic, even with that, even with that uh, little extra. I couldn't even imagine what he'd be if he was like in like tip top shape. He'd probably fly out of an arena, just fly. Yeah, he like literally would fly. He like Superman fly. But you know his performance though 
Was outside, of, outside of that that steal, that rip that he had, well, yeah. it wasn't even a steal. It was more of like a mugging, like an assault. Like I feel like maybe Chargers could have been pressed. It wasn't really that bad, but he looked again underwhelming. Yeah, uh, you know one one particular sequence sticks out in my mind, uh, and you could tell that Mitchell Robinson was like up for his matchup yeah. with Zion. Like he was up for it. Um, but like I said, one particular sequence. Zion was the, the the Pelicans are playing defense. Well, Zion wasn't. Uh, Mitchell Robinson just kind of walked. <laughs> they were on defense. Yeah, they were on defense. <laughs> Mitchell Robinson kind of wal- waltzed around Zion while Zion just kind of stood around the free throw line. Point guard for the Knicks, whoever it was, threw a, threw a lob over Zion's head for an alley oop to Robinson. Zion clearly feeling slighted and wanted to get a little revenge on that. Got the ball up coming up court on the very next possession and then decided he would pull up from um, about Steph four Curry feet range. yeah like four feet behind like the top of the key three point range and proceeded to get blocked by Mitchell Robinson <laughs> who then released got the outlet pass and dunked again and i think that was the last floor time that Zion got that game not a good way to go out yeah it was when i he had he started off really slow he had some couple highlights in like the first part of the second quarter and then yeah as you said he had some low lights on the back end there um it was it's interesting how like both you and I and we weren't the only ones we talked to like on site who got to see him had similar impressions mm-hmm. but I I've been catching up on like all this the other NBA podcasts that have come out there are a lot of people who have different opinions and no. I'm like, what game are you watching? Not everybody's as smart as us, Paul. No. Definitely not. No. Unfortunate for everybody they, else. Th- that's not their job. <laughs> to be smart? <laughs> to know basketball. Oh. That's not our job either. No. No, I'm saying it is. Okay. Oh. I was being sarcastic. It is their oh. job to know that was, basketball. That was, that was the worst <laughs> use of sarcasm ever because that did not come across as sarcastic I know. at all. And it, I failed. You should have been like, it's not like it's their job to do this. See what I mean? Like, yeah. You learned something today, Paul. Yeah. You're welcome. You were welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, the, that, that that night was just so bizarre, though. Yeah, like from from the from from the word go, when we were trying to scramble and get tickets. Yeah. To then getting there and having to sit there, I forgot what game we were watching before the. Uh, was it a Lakers? Was it the Lakers game? Yeah, before? it was a Lakers game. Yeah, which Lakers Clippers with no the Clippers mm, Lakers Clippers was the next day. Oh, was it the next yeah. day? Was it Lakers Celtics? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, that, no, no, we saw the Celtics the next day too. Who cares? His Lakers before, but just from getting there, having to again go through the whole deal of getting tickets. Oh, and then our Uber driver dropped us off behind yeah. the stadium. Yeah, he dropped we, us off with the Pelicans. We rolled in with the Pelicans. <laughs> like literally, we're, we're we pulled in with the Pelicans bus. There was a car that dropped off some Pelican staff members. Of course, we could not go in through said entrance because we are not Pelican hey, staff members. No, so we had nor to walk, do we look like it. In 115 degree heat, we had to walk around the entire goddamn arena. Yeah. to get back to the front, and he was like, in "Look, guys, then, then we can we can avoid the traffic." <laughs> We're like, "Great, fantastic, sir. Thank you very much. That was a great, great plan." Um, the other thing that was super bizarre about that night was after the earthquake. Yeah, when we all piled into Thomas and Mac. Yeah. Hoping that the Suns game would still go. I didn't even realize that they had canceled the rest of that Pelicans game. I don't I don't think it had been officially canceled yet. I think it was still in the postponed phase, but enough people had like come out that there we could have gotten in there and gotten good seats. Well we which did. We did. Yeah. yeah. So so we, we got in there and they, they, they announced that the Suns game was going to be canceled. 
And then so, rumors started swirling that they were going to play in the Cox Pavilion because they were still playing in Cox Pavilion. Yeah, they that never was, stopped playing. There was, was no interruption in basketball. Right, Cox it just kept all. rolling, kept rolling. <laughs> and then so we went over to Cox Pavilion. We're all sitting there, and then at the end of the third quarter of that game, they're like. For precautionary reasons, we're canceling the rest of this game, and there will be no more basketball tonight. And we're like, an we've been in here for like an hour. What kind of precaution is this? But hey, we and then supposedly we survived. Supposedly, two or two or three independent structural engineers at some point came through and did some type of assessment mm-hmm. on two massive buildings to. Say, yeah, we're good to go on a go forward basis. Yes, everything is safe now. <laughs> everything is copacetic. Um, you know, I didn't hear much about that earthquake though. Like, what kind of what kind of effect there was in California where it was based? It was in the middle of nowhere. Okay, okay. Because so, like, I, I, I was thinking about that night. I'm like, dude, if we felt that here, yeah, then what was what what what, what happened over there? But there's my answer. Happy I asked you, Paul. Yep. Um, now summer league also okay. Again, talking generalities here. Summer League this year, the trip to Vegas itself was one of the more interesting ones that we've had since we've been going to Summer League. One of the more interesting ones I've had ever. Ever. And that includes, like, (laughs) college. So, yeah. Wow. Um, And bachelor parties. And bachelor boy. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Back to basketball, Paul. Yeah. Summer League itself was underwhelming. Yeah. I'm going to use the phrase underwhelming a lot tonight i feel at least but, the first half right half but, but but it was it was it was it was underwhelming because you had so many of the top players not playing right zion plays one half now he's uh, out for the rest yeah of the uh john morant wasn't playing um darius garland wasn't playing garland wasn't playing kobe white played kobe white played um, Brian clark played yeah but, but he wasn't really i mean he was he didn't play until he, he didn't play the initial i don't think he played memphis's first game mm. but anyway uh and then um yeah, that's who. I think it was... Uh, Culver. Did Culver play? Culver didn't play. I don't think so. Yeah. I think the the Lakers... Well, I think it might have been Lakers-Memphis. Was it Lakers-Memphis? Maybe, okay. but anyway. But yeah, I mean, like, R.J. Barrett played, and he was underwhelming oh, as a player. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Sorry, Knicks. Mm. Mm. The Knicks, like, I feel like the Knicks Summer League team should have walked in there and just destroyed everybody. They had Trier playing. Mm. They had Mitchell that's Robinson the playing. They had... Um, who else did they have playing? Knox. Kevin Knox playing, yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. There was a, not a lot of second-year players. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like I remember, like, last year and the year prior, there was a lot of second-year guys who would come in and, you know, suit up, play a couple games. Even if they only played a couple games, it'd still, mm-hmm. like, make the token appearance. Right. You know, even, like, this, like the Suns were, like, you know, Aiden's not touching, which I, yeah. I get. Bridges didn't even do like the token couple games, which I honestly I thought he could he could have used summer league. It's like book like Booker's second. Or they year. were afraid he was gonna have a Josh Jackson and like suck it up, and then like that bleeds into the season. It's like no, let's not get it off on a bad foot. I, you know <laughs> that just reminded me of. But I think yeah, remember the Office episode when like they uh, David Wallace came up with like the toy pickup thing called suck it i don't know why that just popped in my head <laughs> okay um real quick because i don't remember did our last episode did we talk about jackson being traded Mm-mm. that's happened since the last time we recorded yes because that happened after summer league right yeah yeah no he was traded, was it traded before, before? i can't keep track i can't remember anyways whatever it's a whatever trade to me <laughs> the whole thing all right thank just you just a move there we go dynamic paul 
dynamic wanna, analysis. Um, is there okay. more to it? So now, <laughs> back to what I was saying about summer league being underwhelming. Yeah. We've seen this steady increase of attendance, interest, coverage, popularity of summer league over the past right. few years, especially, I feel. Yes. Perhaps not coincidentally since we started going. I mean, I'm not saying we're causing it to happen, but maybe we are. But has summer league peaked? Because this year, well, again, underwhelming. I mean, people are there. People are there. People are saying people are saying it peaked. I disagree. I think it's I think it's just a a confluence of a lot of different things that happen, starting oh. with having an uh, having a um, Sorry, underwhelming we're summer draft. League right now. So we don't. Well, and I hear that summer league peaked a lot. Actually, coming from Suns fans, which I'm like, yeah, summer league for us hopefully did peak. Oh, I love the fact that we're sitting there going, I don't care about any of these guys on the team, but we're still here. Like, oh, we didn't yeah. see the game, but you know, right? Because I don't want to be excited about summer league every year. I don't. I want. I want to have zero interest in summer league. I I want to enjoy summer league to enjoy the general basketball, not being worried like, okay, does the guy that my team drafted suck? Right. When we're expecting him to be good versus what we did get to experience watching the games afterwards, going, oh hey, the guy we signed because we didn't draft him, he might be something. Jalen LeCue, of course, you're speaking of. Of course. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I, I think so. I, I don't know that I've heard anybody actually say his last name. <laughs> I'm going to look that up right now. Um, I think it is Jalen LeCue. But the other person that we saw, person, player that we saw that I, I actually was quite interested in seeing was Taco Fall. That guy is, you know, well, he's huge. He's a gigantic human being. Like, he is. Seeing him next to NBA players and seeing how gigantic he is <laughs> is kind of shocking. And, you know, for his size, and I'm not by any means saying he's going to become some great player, but considering how tall he is, he moves pretty smoothly. Yeah. He's, I, he's a decently agile guy. I'm surprised. I mean, I thought he did decently well in the tournament. I know he can't shoot worth a lick. So I'll, I'll be interested to see if uh, he makes gets like a two-way deal from uh, – <laughs> From Boston or somebody else. Excuse me. I'm sorry. It's very late. Jeez, Paul. Jeez. I'm still recovering from Vegas. <laughs> we survived. I'm still recovering, and it's Friday. <laughs> you done? I'm done. Okay. You know, okay, really quickly, yeah. I'm going to interject some non-basketball stuff here. Okay. Shocking on our podcast. Yeah. But like Paul said, we're recording on Friday. We finished watching the Angels throw the combined no-hitter on the Tyler Skaggs, you know, celebration night. And that was possibly one of the... I'm getting chills and goosebumps again just talking about it. <laughs> that was possibly one of the coolest things I've seen in sports. Like, I can't... Rem As I sit here right now, I can't remember a cooler moment, more moving moment, perhaps, that I've seen in sports. So, kudos to the Angels. Owner Artie Moreno, who's a U of A alum. Okay. Tucsonian. Sure. Uh, and kudos to, to, to their fan. I mean, Jesus, what a moment. Oh, God, what a moment. That's all. And That's my aside. His mom throws heaters. Dude, she threw, <laughs> she threw the first pitch from the rubber to, 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 he wasn't a catcher, but to a player who was at the plate and threw a strike. That's impressive. It's impressive. All right. Anything else on Summer League, Paul? No. Anything else on the Angels? <laughs> nope. Okay. All right, all right, all right. So, now, the biggest thing that's happened since we recorded last, yeah. outside of surviving an earthquake, just keep saying that for like the next like six years, 
uh, and we went to college in San Diego. It's not like we've never been in an earthquake before. But no. Still. Um, Kelly Oubre signed. Yes. He is back. Valley Boys coming at you. Speaking of Valley Boys, Paul, talk about our sweet new logo while I pull up some information so we can give our give our friends a shot. Shot? Shout. Yes. Yeah, so um, we had a uh, nice, wonderful reach out to, uh, by the guys over at Valley Boys and offered to uh, design a logo for us just kind of out of the blue. And we let them run with it. And they made a super sweet logo for us that we now want on like all the merch so all, that all, may all, be coming all what merch <laughs> that may be coming all imaginary merch <laughs> we'll see how that goes but we just want to give a huge huge thank you to those guys over there for uh hooking us up um and with that their site is back up and running and it is valley-boys with a z of course dot com yeah so go check that out Buy, buy merch, rep the Valley Boys all over the Valley. <laughs> like how you said that, kind of like a Valley girl. So, okay. So, Kelly Oubre. Yeah. Signed on a two-year deal, $30 million. First year, 15.7. Second year, 14.3. At the end of those two years, he will be an unrestricted free agent. So... I'll ask you, Paul, initially, yeah. thoughts on the deal. I mean, I don't need to ask you if you're happy Kelly Oubre's back. We're all freaking ecstatic that Kelly Oubre's back. When Josh Jackson got traded, <laughs> that seemed to be the linchpin, like the, 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 the all but certainty that Kelly Oubre was going to one way, shape, or form come back because if they traded Josh Jackson, inconsistencies and off-the-court issues, you know, understood. But if they got rid of him and then didn't get El- Kelly Oubre back, uh, my optimism would be... Definitely Less. impaired. <laughs> impaired optimism. <laughs> Podcast of impaired optimism. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. So uh, what are your thoughts on the deal? I mean, two years. Why two years? I, I'm actually... Money. I'm, I'm really happy money? with the deal. Um, I think it it meets both the team and the players' needs. You know, Ubre's, uh, Ubre gets money. You know, he, he gets a lot of money. Um, you know, probably more than the Suns wanted to pay in on an individual year's salary in their ideal scenario. But at the same time, the market, the market set a number. I mean, just looking at like what Harrison Barnes got, he got like what, four years, 90. Yeah. I really don't think Harrison Barnes is $9 million better per year, better than Kelly Oubre. I just don't. So... Ubre unfortunately got um, was a victim of the market then drying up. So mm-hmm. he probably, be, being that he was a restricted free agent, and that that tends to happen, particularly with wings, just because there are a ton of wings and those slots fill up, and te- a lot of teams, particularly with the speed that free agency was going this year, much re- they don't want to ha- lock up their cap situation dealing with a restricted with a restricted uh, offer. So those spots get filled up with unrestricted free agents and then restricted free agents are kind of screwed a little bit if you're not a top, top guy who just commands that like max money or whatever. So from that standpoint, I think the Suns got, they gave him a little bit, probably more than they had to, but at the same time, they're in a position where they want to change their image as you know, 
with players. Mm-hmm. So if that means they have to overpay a little bit to like get guys to want to be here, I'm fine with that right now. Um, but at the same time, what that does offer because it is a shorter contract, uh, honestly, that's as much a benefit to Ubre I think, as it is mm-hmm. to the team. Because if Ubre balls out like we all hope he does, I'll be more than happy to pay him. Right, absolutely. But at the same time, if he doesn't, I'm happy we only have a two-year commitment there. And then coming into after the 2021 season when, yes, 2021, um, that's a pretty solid free agent class. So theoretically, if all goes to development, you know, book like Aiton will have three years under him. He'll we'll have an idea of is he really going to turn into something, you know. Um, Bridget, same thing with first, Bridges. First of all, I, I'm offended by that terminology with DeAndre Ayton. He is already something. Is he going to turn into something amazing? Is he going to be the new Godzilla? <laughs> I like that. B- breathing fire. Hmm. <laughs> King hmm. of the monsters. Came with another shirt. Okay. That's so much merch. No merch at all, but so much merch. Okay. So, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I'm sorry I mean to cut you off. Are you done? Um, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny because before Ubre signed, obviously, last episode, maybe the episode before that, we were talking about what we thought Ubre was worth, what he was going to get. I believe we both said something around 17 a year, right? Right, probably, But yeah. like you said, he kind of fell victim to how the market market played out. And when the Mavs signed, who'd they sign? I forgot who they signed. Um, oh, no, they, they got, oh, a trade. Yeah, they got our, our boy Devon Dylan Brooks. Is that who it was? The, the Brooks that we were supposed to yeah, get well, instead yeah, of that Kelly was Ubrey. D- that was Dylan Brooks. But <laughs> so whoever, are you sure that's who it was? Well, regardless. Yeah. When they made that trade, and at that point in time, by all accounts, they were really the one team that could have come in and presented a significant offer sheet to Ubre. Mm-hmm. When, when they could no longer do that, the Suns really did have at that point, you know, whatever leverage they wanted to have, whatever leverage they wanted to use. And they could have done what maybe people would think the Suns would do based on history, and that is kind of strong arm him into something or force him to a point where he's like, I'm just taking my QO, yeah, and I'll play my year and we'll see what happens. But I think what they did was find a nice compromise between the two. Like you said, Kelly Oubre is getting paid $30 million bucks over two years. Beautiful. Uh, and the Suns maybe didn't need to go there, uh, but they did. And I think it's the right move at the end of the day because you at least get a couple years of Ubre. You see if he continues to play like he did when he came over to the Suns, if he continues to perhaps improve. And it also protects against that <coughs> concern that I'm not saying I had with Ubre, but you have, I think, with any player once they sign on, sign on a dotted line for a big contract, and is, yeah. are they going to get complacent? Well, Ubre is not really in a situation now where he can because he's got, sure, he's got some security there, but it's only two years. Right. But I mean, that that's actually that's an interesting shift that you're kind of just seeing around the NBA. Just in general, you're definitely seeing it with like some of the bigger stars. I mean, we saw it with Kawhi's contract. Mm-hmm. You know, the maybe it's because of changes in you know diet and exercise and you know various trainings. Except and for things Zion like that. and Luka Doncic, but yeah, that, okay. yeah, but that, that's a whole different story. You know, that uh, southern Southern America and their food, you know, just kind of gets gets you. That's the um, only place in America where people eat horribly is Southern, Southern America. It's extra horrible down there. Fair. Um, it's comfort, called comfort food for a reason. Right, right, right. 
Every but, time I eat comfort food, though, I feel super uncomfortable afterwards. <laughs> I, I don't get that. But um, with all that, maybe players are more... And may, maybe it's also just the dollars are so big now. They feel more secure in taking that risk of, okay, I'm only, only going to do a two-year, three-year deal at most and just keep getting back out there. Right. You know, I mean, I know like the Kawhi thing, obviously, that has other implications because that gets him to his 10 year mark where he can get that mm-hmm. 35% deal and whatnot. But I mean, we watched it with Durant, who was actually the bad case of it because he actually did get injured. Granted, he still got a four year deal yeah, yep. out of it. Or like even or like LeBron doing starting it off doing the one and ones. But you're seeing that kind of three year, two, three year deals. You're not really going much longer than that because. The teams don't want it just as much as the players don't want it. The players, you know, they want to prove themselves, get out there. Be, particularly, also, we're seeing it because this cap keeps making these huge leaps. Right. You know, right. You, you sign a four or five year deal. How much money did you possibly miss out on? Because it set, looked like a good contract at the time. But then when you walk out of it, oh, no, I was severely underpaid because if I had gotten out two years prior even a discount of a deal for me would actually be paying me more than what I right. signed that first deal for. Well, and it's funny you you point to that ten year, you know, uh, yeah, part of the the career that that ten year anniversary we'll call it. Yeah. So this lines Uber up nicely for that too. Because right. You think about because this was his fourth year, mm-hmm. so he signs a two year deal. If he gets a four year deal after that, then he goes back into free agency at that ten year mark. And at that point, we're going to be so old. So, so old. old. So old, Paul. Okay. Well, hey, let's take a quick break, and then we'll dip into Ricky Rubio officially signing with the Suns and a few other very exciting Nuggets. off-season Suns topics. We'll be right back. So the other big news of the week for the Phoenix Suns, which isn't really big news because we knew it was coming, but that was the signing of Ricky Rubio, the official signing of Ricky Rubio. We knew, obviously, that we have a point guard, but the ink met the paper this week. So I don't know if there's much to talk about in that regard, but nope. if you want to talk about something with it, Paul, by all means, I would, I would love to hear what you would have to say. Um, and I actually have something to say, but I need to look something up, so go on. <laughs> I mean... Kill time, Paul. The, o- the only thing I have to say about the whole Ricky Rubio signing is I'm glad he's part of the Sands, but... Um, <laughs> All right, Paul. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually I'm. I think he he's going to be a great personality to have on the team, and I think w- whether Justin Verrier agrees or not, I think his fit on the team is going to be is going to be nice. I mean, he yeah, he's not the greatest shooter, but we've filled the roster with shooters, mm-hmm. and Booker though he has developed those some point guard-ish skills and kind of a hardened light. I don't think that's how he thrives. And I think we'll actually probably possibly see a better Booker this season. Particularly, we may even see some more effort on the defensive end just because he won't have to carry so much of the load on offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm happy about that. <laughs> Good. I'm happy you're happy, Paul. Um what I wanted to point out was, you know, one How thing that's been—he is. He is super handsome, super handsome. I mean, talk about a dynamic duo, Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre, with Booker jammed in the middle. Hello, ladies. 
remember that you watch wrestling growing up Val Venus his music he'd be like hello ladies and he'd be like, yeah. yeah you miss much you missed I, a lot actually I, I actually just now have a vision of Night of the Roxbury with them two out on the town that would be outstanding that would be amazing <laughs> that would be amazing they, they should do that for like Halloween this year those two um, but one thing that people started complaining about and, and I, I feel like I saw it less with Suns fans surprisingly more with the national pundits, if you will, and that is what they're paying Ricky Rubio. People saying that they're overpaying for Ricky Rubio. First of all, I don't think they are. Second of all, even if they were, fine. He's a point guard. He's an NBA caliber point guard. We don't know what that is. He's in like Phoenix the 16th anymore. highest paid point guard in the league. Right. Which is about how good he is. <laughs> right. So how is that an overpay? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I don't think. I it mean, is. granted. Terry Rozier is getting paid more than him, and he's not in the top 16 best point guards in the league. And so. I, would, I would say, arguably, Ricky Rubio is more uh, higher than the top 16. I think yeah, you could, but yeah. Anyway, but one thing that I saw posted on Twitter earlier today um, by Austin, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Sear, who yeah. was at the Phoenix Suns meetup. That's one thing yes. we didn't talk about with Summer League. The yes. Phoenix Suns meet was awesome. Had a blast hanging out with Suns fans. Had a blast hanging out with Bloomer, showed up for, for yeah, a bit there. He's Johnny a good, Blooms. great, great dude. Had a good time chatting with him. Um, but Austin was there. A number of other Suns fans were there. But he posted this on Twitter today. Uh, and he had pulled this off of Suns Reddit. Something that we don't really reference a lot on this podcast. We, I don't not, understand Reddit. We're not Redditors. Redditors? <laughs> no, Redditors. I, I don't think I've... Well, I, I know I don't have like a Reddit account or anything. No. But anyway... Um, I, it, I know it, Tim Tompkins is a Redditor. Tim, Tim Tompkins does like to hop on his Reddit. Um... But to the point of whether the Suns overpaid for Ricky Ruby or not, what Austin had pulled off of, uh, off of Reddit uh, was a comparison of some other contracts that point guards have received in, in the league as of late, not necessarily just this year, and how much those contracts eat into the overall cap space to kind of give you an idea as to whether really it is an overpay or not. All right. So these examples are Jeff Teague, 19 million a year, Terry Rozier, 18.9 a year, Eric Bledsoe, 17.5 a year, Dennis Schroeder, 17 point, Schroeder, Schroeder, excuse me, 17.5 a year. I don't know why I got all like mellow when I said that. Uh, Goran Dragic, 17 million a year, and Reggie Jackson at 16 million a year, okay? Gotcha. Looking at it percentage-wise, Teague is 19.2% of the cap, and this is the cap when the deals were made. 19.2%, Rozier, 17.3%, Bledsoe, 16.1%, Schroeder, 17.7%, Dragic, 24.3%, and Jackson, 22.9%. Rubio, what do you think his percentage is, Paul? And I don't want you to sit there and think and do the math. Just throw it out. 14%. Close, 15.6%. So it's not like the dude's eating into a whole bunch of the Suns cap. Right. And you know what? Whatever he's eating into is rightfully eaten into based on, again, the fact that he's an NBA caliber point guard. So that's what I think about that. <clears throat> Next thing. Yeah. And this is probably like a few episodes ago, I said that this was going to be one of the most important Fanning the Flame episodes ever. This might be one of the least important things we ever discuss on Fanning the Flames. Oh. Believe that? I, I, I don't believe no. it. No. <laughs> um, but this is it's still be so an trivial. interesting point. It's an interesting point. Okay. And that is that the Suns are still looking for a third string power forward. Now, Dave King 
wrote an article on brightsideofthesun.com where he brought up a few interesting names. Um, one, I think, is an obvious one, and that is, okay, well, Dragon Bender is still somebody that maybe the Suns have an interest in bringing back. He's... Marquise Chris? That's the other name that came up. <laughs> and, and I just sat there and I thought about that, and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> We're talking about maybe bringing back one of the... And, and okay, the Chris thing is, you know, just Dave purely <laughs> speculating, I assume. Yeah. Uh, but either way, the fact that these two guys can conceivably be somebody the Suns look to to fill in their third string power forward their position. Their 15th roster spot. Four years after they were both taken in the top 10, not only reflects negatively on them as draft picks, I think it reflects negatively on that draft as a whole. Yeah. But well, it's just, talk about how, how, how quickly the mighty two have players fallen. have fallen from grace. I, that, I always have to go back to that draft where people call them busts and yes they were busts but there was literally no one after them that was even remotely close to good in that draft i mean some people were maybe slightly better but no one is good in that draft except for guys who were taken before them so can we get past that one please what what do you want what else do you want and i'm trying i'm slowly but surely pulling up that draft right now yeah it's, Um, it's bad yeah, it's I mean, so, so, bad. so in between those two, let's see. Well, in between Bender and Chris that year, Chris Dunn, Buddy Heald, Jamal Murray. Um, now, Jamal Murray, it's, maybe he's one you look back and like, okay, well, maybe we've taken him at four, but, but. Buddy Heald is a, right. is a player. He can play in the league. Right. But then, yeah, you, you, you start going with the guys then that came in after Chris. You've got Jacob Pottle. Puddle, puddle, Jake Puddle, <laughs> as Zach Lowe calls him, Utah, Jake Puddle, Utah, Utah, Utah guy. I mean, not the Jazz, but University of Utah. Thon Maker, De- Demontis Sabonis. He's, I think, he's still doing all right. Yeah. Uh, Papa Papa George's, Pop- George's yeah, Papa Giannis. <laughs> Denzel Valentine. The list goes on and on. But like, like, like you said, Paul, there wasn't a whole lot that came out of that draft subsequently. I mean, at twenty, you've got. Uh, Levert, which he's a nice player, but again, that's a that's a that's a big gap there in, in draft right. pick spaces. And when you start getting into that range, then you're sometimes possibly going to get a guy. And and one other name that Dave brought up about a potential for this third power forward slot mm-hmm. was uh, Cheek Diallo, who was also in that draft, but at least he was a second round pick. Right. Hey, there, there's always Alan Williams still out there. Yeah. You know, he's a great energy end of the bench guy. Yeah, I mean, he quickly endeared himself to the Suns fans, obviously. And this team is getting personality. And, and this has nothing to do with Alan Williams. I'm just thinking if, if, if that were to be a name that would come into play, like it would just add to this. But think about the team's now really developing a personality. When you have yeah. Ubre, you've got Ayton, you've got Booker, who while quiet is kind of that swaggy quiet guy quietly swaggy um and then you've got you know he's smooth cool i like that i like that like he's the guy who like walks in the room like everybody's like he doesn't do anything but everybody looks over and is like he's cool (laughs) (laughs) but but you look at what what this team what this roster is starting to develop into and you, you you can look at the roster and see players see personalities that can really click with 
fans, that fans right. can get behind. And when was the last time we had that on the Suns? When was the last time we had one guy really like that on the Suns, let alone multiple guys like that on the Suns? I was, we started to see it a little bit last year. Right, but but I, like, you're talking like, because t- they're all guys who are on the team now. Yes, Paul. But like prior to that, I mean. You're like, you're probably, like well, last year, Kelly Oubre really. Probably 13-14 season, honestly. I mean, but part of that was because we're winning. But I mean, people were getting behind like Gerald. Like when you start getting behind like the seventh, eighth, ninth guys. Right. Like that's when you know you've got like a, a team that's like doing something. Because like those guys are like, somebody's like, Gerald Green's my favorite player on the Suns. Right, or like Pat Burke. Well, that <laughs> like, wasn't that wasn't thirteen forty. That wasn't thirteen forty. But just like <laughs> I'm just saying, like when like the, those the concept- guys, mm-hmm. because yeah, they're, they're, they're the funny guy at the end of the bench because you can do that when the team's good. Right when there's that, when there's success. When there's a guy at the end of the bench when the team sucks, it's like oh he's just he sucks that much more. Yeah, yeah, and and I I just I I'm hard pressed to remember a time. In the past decade, you know, short of short of the Nash era, where there were one, two, three guys that all of Suns Nation really adored, and right. I think in the very least, now Aiton's still polarizing because of the whole Aiton Doncic thing, which is never ever ever going to go away. Well, hopefully it does someday, and it's because Aiton's just dominating the world. But you got a guy like Ubre who I can't think of. Anybody that I know that's a Suns fan that doesn't love the guy and wasn't like the Suns absolutely need to bring him back. Right. And then you've got Booker who and the, the only people I can think of on the are like major bridges stands. Okay, that's fair. Fine. But But I mean they, they still weren't don't bring him back, right. but they're like Bridges should be playing over him hundred percent. Right. And and then and then you you have a guy like Booker who I think there are like legitimately Suns fans out there who would stab somebody if they said something <laughs> like Negatory, negatory, derogatory, negatory and derogatory <laughs> about about Devin Booker. So you know, again, it, it, I know I, I'm the optimistic one. Okay, mm-hmm. I know to a fault, perhaps, perhaps. But, but <laughs> just because I love Robert Sarver doesn't mean that I'm unreasonable, Paul. <laughs> it's just it's me and Boyd, the two people in the universe that love Robert <laughs> yeah. Sarver. Pretty sure that's pretty it. much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But my point is, I feel like there's justifiable reasons to be optimistic about where we are right now. Not just because it's the offseason, but because we're seeing a team put together that has increasing levels of talent, I guess you can say, from past seasons. And has a personality that can really be something that can you know, rally Suns fans uh, together and, and people, players that Suns fans really want to get behind. And I think that's, I think that's important, especially after you've gone through what we've all gone through as Suns fans for the past nine years or however long it's been. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, we definitely, we have players on the roster, which is just something we're just 100% not used to. Um, <laughs> Hold on, are you like, literally like just, we have bodies that we can... <laughs> we have... It's we have like le- legitimate proven NBA players on the team outside of like two or three slots that want to be there that want to be there that want to be well, there. I mean, I'm not sure about Aaron Baines, but I think it, wait, it, we talked about him. There's another guy that I feel like Suns fans are gonna freaking just th- love. They're gonna what? Well, yeah, oh. assuming he buys in, which hopefully he does. He, he the way he plays and the heart he plays with, and like 
the grit. Yeah. What I call yeah. him? What, what, what do we call him? Poor, poor man Stephen Adams. Poor man Stephen Adams with yep. worse hair. With worse hair. <laughs> How about, I remember when Scott Pollard had the samurai cut? Yeah, that was great. That was Samurai cut with the like with the Wolverine that chops. That was something else. That was something else. So anyway, okay. Well, let's take one more quick break here, and then we'll get in a couple last topics before we wrap up this episode of Fanning the Flames. We'll be right back. So we've been talking about a lot of the moves, obviously, that the Suns have made during this offseason. Things are getting shored up. We know what this roster is now going to look like going into the 2019-2020 season, save for, of course, that ever-important third-string power forward. And I guess, theoretically, there could be at least one other person that's no longer there because I believe we are all in agreement. Or you, blockbuster me, trade. Others, that, are you are you just saying that or it's always a possibility. Okay. Just, I'm just, I don't know if you, I don't know if you have something in particular well, I mean, with, on the, with the amount of player movement this year, who knows? Right. Right. So, um, and I think what I was getting at was, I think Elia Kovo is probably not going to be on this roster come the start of yeah. the season. Um, but in light of discussing where we are with this team, as we're walking into the 2019, 2020 season in like two months or whatever it's going to be. Right. Yep. September, yeah. October. October, right? Mm-hmm. So three months. Um, how much better is this team going to be? Is the team going to be better? God, I hope so. I mean, I think the, I think the answer I think the is answer, yes. Yes. But I mean, how much better do you think this team is going to be next year? Off of 19 wins? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's the number. Well, that's the magic our, number. Our, our boy, D. Duarte, on Twitter. Yes. Has, I know where you're going. Has declared the Suns are going to have, wait for it, 44 wins and the eighth seed. 44 wins. And what happens if they get 44 wins, Paul? You don't remember that part of the evening? No. I told him that if they get 44 wins that um, he's... I'm no longer the host. He's, the, he's officially the new co-host of Fanning the Flames. Because clearly he has more optimism than I do. Dude, I think people would puke from the love of optimism if it was him and me. Well, so, like, he responded to something I tweeted, like, re- re-upping his 44 wins in the eighth seed. And somebody responded to that saying 44 wins isn't going to be enough to get the eighth seed. And I'm like... I think you're overestimating the the firepower in the Western Conference. Does this person know how many how many uh, games, games are played? played? <laughs> and I it mean, granted, so. I mean, granted, the eighth seed in the West last year did have 48 wins, but I granted, know what you're getting. Th- there at. was yes. the year the Suns had 48 wins and didn't make the playoffs. Right. I think this year the West is going to be much more muddled. Right. I think I know top exactly to bottom. I mean, I think, you know, everything's changed with, with, with Golden State falling off due to the loss of Durant and, and Clay Thompson's injuries, um, with the Clippers making moves, with the which they are probably, in my opinion, the favorite because they, they had a complete team and then added Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you can't do much better than that. Um, the Lakers, who similarly added two big time players but didn't have a complete team around them so mm-hmm. god knows what's going to happen there if like there are any injuries to the lakers it could be worse than last season mm-hmm. um utah really improved themselves um 
Houston made an interesting move yesterday. I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, at the very least, Harden and Westbrook like like each other. Mm -hmm. Will they still like each other at the end of the season? It's a whole different story because their games have evolved a lot since the last time they actively played together. But they're still only 48 minutes per game in one basketball. Yeah, but if if they're the only two who need to touch it... (laughs) <laughs> Everyone else just sits around. Like, Everyone else just runs around like chickens. Clint, Clint Capella's like, just setting sweet setting screens. screens. <laughs> and that's it. Setting screens. Screens after screens after screens. Westbrook, Westbrook and, and Harden average like 50 points a game. Yeah. Port, Portland's going to be interesting. I mean, they're always, they're always pesky. They brought in Whiteside. And at some point, they're going to get Nurkic back. So that they've got some stuff there. Denver really... Proved themselves last year. It'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see if they can hold on to that, or if there what type of regression there is, or or whatnot. So there's a lot going on. I mean, and that's just talking about guys who are already in the playoffs right. outside the Lakers. Well, and, and just to your point, really quickly, in in regard to the disparity between the playoff teams and non-playoff yeah. teams in the West, and perhaps people that are actually listening to a Phoenix Suns only podcast know this because obviously listeners are diehard NBA people, I would think. But the discrepancy between the eight seed and the first team out of the playoffs, that being the, the Clippers as the eight and the Kings as the nine, was nine games. Yeah. Nine, that's a lot. That's a nine lot. Nine games. games. And, then, and then, of course, the Suns were 14 games behind the next worst team in the West. That's also a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. That is a lot. But... Again, to your point, I do think that there's going to be some leveling out of that. I, I, I can't imagine that the first team out of the playoffs in the West this year is nine games behind the eight seed. I just don't see it happening with the teams that you're looking at that didn't make the playoffs, which, of course, includes the Lakers. Um, but putting them aside, you have young teams that are making moves, and you're going to expect to have players that are going to continue to improve. You've got the Kings. Uh, you've got the Pelicans, who we'll see. Um, they, they, they've put a nice team mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. You've got the Mavs and you've got the Suns. So anyway, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but continue your thought process. I, want, I still want to hear just how much you think the Suns are going to improve. Well, I mean, from so with that, I think there's gonna be a, it's going to be a lot more muddled. I don't think the Suns will be the worst team because I – Honestly, I think Memphis will probably be the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. They are actively, I don't know if I'd say it's tanking, but they are clearly in the bottom stages of that rebuild. I mean, they Conley's gone, Gasol's gone because they just left this past year, this past offseason. You know, they've got a rookie point guard who they're going to be starting. I assume they're going to be starting, um, who's kind of going to be leading the show. They've got um, a second-year guy in Jaron Jackson. They've got um, Brandon Clark coming in, so they're – all about young, 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 young. They're what the Suns were a couple years ago, probably in a, maybe a little bit better of a position right. potentially than the Suns, um, just because as of right now, those players like Clark and Morant, they're unknowns, so everybody looks at them as positives. I remember they got Tyus Jones, too. They do. They did get Tyus Jones. They, get, um, they, they made some really good moves. Um but I see where you're coming from with Memphis they're, not being good. They're just—they don't have the experience. They're not going to be good. Um, 
I'll be interested to see at the end of the day what happens with OKC. I mean, after that, after the trade yesterday for uh, Chris Paul and between Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, I could see Paul being moved again somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much he wants to be in OKC. Right. I don't know. I granted. I also don't know where that move would be to. Like, I don't know if it'll be, like, the Miami Heat and he's going to pair with Jimmy Butler. I don't know if it's—I really don't know. Is he going to go to the Knicks? Could he go um, to—could he go to Detroit? (laughs) That would be interesting. Repair with Blake Griffin. Wow. Wow. (laughs) In another blue and red jersey. Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, God knows what happens there, but— you know, they might move him. They may move Steven Adams. I don't know. But that team, I would not be surprised if it falls out of the playoffs and falls pretty hard. Because, I mean, they are probably in the so best position to rebuild. So, like, if you've got all these other picks, might as well also take the opportunity to make your pick as best as possible right. and just go young, 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 because that's, that's what you've got. So I expect those two teams to be below the Suns probably at the end of the day. I could see the Kings falling off. I think they could be end up being around where the Suns end up being just because I don't know what's going to happen with them. They've had a little bit of an unnecessary upheaval this offseason. Right? That was bizarre. It's not. It's the Kings. It's not that bizarre. <laughs> I wonder how many Sacramento Kings podcasts have said that about the Suns over the past however many years. Me- Memphis <laughs> could fall off. That could be – or not Memphis. I'm sorry. Like, Do we Minis- just get done talking Minnesota. about them? I mean, right. I know they've got Towns, but like they haven't – they haven't really shown anything there yet. Yeah. Outside of when they had Butler and they made the playoffs last se- like two seasons ago. So they could be down there in the mix. So I expect the Suns to probably be anywhere be- between 11 and or like 10 and th- 12 in the okay. in the standings somewhere in there. I think I think that's fair and not to not to say that I don't absolutely buy into 44 games because i totally do i love that idea i love it so much paul (laughs) look how happy i am right now um but i'll just leave it at that i love it i love the idea i love the concept of that um but i I think you're probably somewhere in the right range i mean in my opinion that that, that's where they'll be it's gonna be it's it's a process you know the suns and if they do don't get me wrong i'd be very very happy right but they're not going to you know, flip around and win like 55 games next year. You know, you just no. you can't expect a jump like that. And I think <clears throat> perhaps it's difficult for Suns fans to, I think we recognize that that's not something that can happen, but it's difficult for the Suns fans not to just want to have this sense of almost like immediate gratification because it really isn't immediate. We've been dealing with this for nine years and now we're at a point where we're like, okay, something has to happen and you want it to be this big leap. Now, that being said, Back in 0304, the Suns made a huge leap, right? right? Nobody really saw that coming at that time no, either. Didn't. Now, I'm not saying bringing in Ricky Rubio is akin to bringing in Steve Nash, but who there knows? are some similarities, right? Right, and and, and I think we've, I don't know if we said this on the pod or if we said this uh, just in speaking, but how many how many really true point guards are even in the NBA, NBA anymore? You know, and and I know I know the NBA basketball is changing, basketball is evolving, is becoming positionless. I get it, but with the roster that the Suns have, and two guys being your, your you know your kind of focal points in Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Ayton, 
this concept, even though it might be a dying concept of the true point guard in the NBA, uh, that's exactly what they needed. They don't need one of these hybrid type point guards that, you know, is going to be more of a score first type of guy, even right. if they can, you know, run the floor and, and, and spread the floor and run an offense. They need a guy who's going to find the right spot to put the ball at the right time to maximize the opportunity to do what's the goal of basketball. And that is put that orange ball into the orange cylinder. More than the other team. More than the other team. If you score more points than the other team, you're probably going to win the game. Probably. Right? It's like in, in golf. In most cases. In golf, you miss, you miss 90, 90% of the putts you leave short. It doesn't make sense because you miss them all. But that's what I'm getting. Anyway, so they'll be improved. How much they'll be improved, we'll see. But I feel like I say this every summer. Yeah, we I'm have. Lo- I'm looking forward to this, this season more than I've looked forward to a season in a long time. But I think when you're coming off of the seasons we've been coming off of, well, you, you can't say much more than that. Is there an option other than looking forward to this more than looking forward to last season? No. Yes. Mm, good answer. Well, because I, I think coming off of getting the number one pick last year, going into the season, we were looking forward to it more. It just cra- which made the crash that much worse because there was legitimate probably overhyped expectations within the fan community of like what the Suns were going to do and they did the opposite i'd have to go back and like listen or look at notes or something and see but i I, i'm i'm curious as to how much i don't recall it's the same thing we're saying this year but i don't recall wins Uh, yeah that's that's right we were couching for like the rookies but we're still saying Oh, this isn't going to be the bottomest of bottom teams. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Because I remember, because the Suns' win total last year, I think Vegas, before the season started, was, I think, the over-under was like at like 20, 26 and a half or 27 maybe. and a half. And I think I, I think I took the over, so yeah. maybe you're right. But now I'm looking forward to even more, Paul. Yeah, I mean, we literally... You know what I'm really looking forward to? Not this season, but next season. I can't wait for that one. Yeah. Just... <laughs> but I mean, we literally, Keep pushing we literally have... I mean, we have like at least nine actual NBA players hey. on the roster, at least. Hey, I'm not I, counting y- Frank Kaminsky. You know what we should do? Oh, we, I, we haven't even talked about. Oh, we talked about. We talked about Frank Tank. He's um, in the title. But that's right. But you know, I totally lost my train of thought. It was along those lines. Um, I'm interested. Here's what I was gonna say. I'm interested to see, like, let's say, like, ten games into the year this year. Yeah. How many players that got playing time for the Suns last year are even in the NBA anymore? Mm. You know? I, I'd be to see how many players. Let's just play- say Dragon Bender no. started like 27 okay. games and he's Let's not even on a team. Averages more than 10 minutes. Give it, you know. Well, yeah. How oh, many you mean like how many players from last year that averaged more than 10 minutes are still in the league? Or no, how many players who played for the Suns last year average more than 10 minutes this season oh i got you i see what you're saying that would be a better way of doing because i think it's less extreme yeah but still indicative of the struggles that that team last year ran into because of who they were running out there and that kind of you know gets to the point we were talking about before we start recording and one reason i think that we are going to see improvement and and a reason why also when people ask me how much better is this team going to be? I say it's it's really difficult to say because it's a completely different team. Yeah. 
like as as of right now, there's six returning players. Is Maybe? it? I don't think it's that many. I think it's three. It's four if you include Okobo. And Book- Okobo won't be there. Booker, Booker, Aiton, Bridges. Who else? Tyler Johnson. Ober, Ubre, Tyler Johnson. Shit. I suck. And Akobo, I think it's six. Akobo I think it's six. Technically six. Now. Oh, you know what I was you know, you know what I was thinking was it's three players from the beginning the of the opening season. night roster from last right. year. It would be those three that I rattled off that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And what the second longest tenured son right now is a tie between Aiton and Bridges. Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different team. It is a different team. So, but but to that point, I think now that we have a team that actually has NBA talent, we're going to be able to see more consistency out of the rosters. I think we'll see more consistency out of the starting lineup in terms of who you're running out there as a starter every night. And, you know, I, I had gone through, and of course, I don't have this in front of me or anywhere in this beautiful studio of ours, um, but I had gone through and kind of did a, a comparison of... <laughs> Last year's teams, all teams. Yeah. And how many players, how many different players started games? How many different players started at least 50 games? And mm-hmm. how many different players started at uh, uh, more than 10 games? Gotcha. And what I saw, based on my recollection, because again, I don't have it in front of me, but what I saw was when you see the playoff teams, you've got a trend of when you're talking about players that started 50 or more games, you're usually seeing those teams have four to five players that start more than 50 games because they six. have consistency. They have six. Huh? They have six players that start more than 50 games. That's... Can that happen? Possibly. I'll tell you this. In my research, I didn't see a inst- an, an instance of that. Um, and then you also have, you know, maybe maybe a few more guys, you know, two, three, maybe four more guys that started more than 10 games. Um, and, and the Suns last year ran out 16 different starters at one point or another. Aiton started 70 games. Booker started, I believe, 64. Bridges started, I think, 56 or so. And then the next highest number of started, st- games started was TJ Warren, who started like 30, no, 30-something, 20-something, 30-something, 35, 36. Um, those numbers obviously make it difficult for there to be consistency, not only within the starting lineup, but when you don't have consistency in the starting lineup, then your rotations can't remain consistent. And I think we couple that with Kakoshkov last year kind of being kind of what's the word I'm looking for here quick on the trigger yeah no he was just he was inconsistent with his his consistent his biggest consistency was inconsistency last year in terms of rotations and things like that I feel like he was always tinkering tinkering he was he he's probably terrible at fantasy football um and and that might have been more of the situation than than Kakoshkov himself yeah, I'm not. I'm not putting everything that will happen last year. Yeah, I mean, year I could have seen him. Means. Like, I mean, if if the initial starting lineup that we had had last year like actually worked, panned out, right? Um, I could all see the other some, pieces have, have some, here. The, have some uh, tinkering on the bench as you're trying to figure out okay who fits with like the rotations and whatnot. But once that was realized that oh no, none of these guys work, mm-hmm. then you're kind of like, what do I got? Right. And then like. Players are going out. Players are coming in. You know, Cannon was cut. You know, Ariza was traded. Now you've got Ubre back. Uh, Anderson was traded. You got Tyler Johnson. Then those guys get hurt, and then it's like, well, fuck. Right, right, and so it wasn't 
all his fault. Some of it was his fault, but some of it was like he'd make an adjustment. It would work and then it would stop working. And you're like, why did this stop? Why did this work? And now it's not kind of thing. But some of that could just be like matchups at the time. There's all kinds of factors. Right, right. And but yeah, well, when you're when you're a rebuilding team, that's what you do is you tinker because you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't, so you can figure out who to build around. So exactly. And I'm looking for one quick. Let's see here. Sorry, I'm just trying to find what I had. Here we go. Um, when you look at the guys who we're gonna presume are going to be the starters this year, um, and that being. Rubio, Booker, Ubre um, or Bridges, Ubre or Bridges, yeah, and then Sarich, and then Aiton. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned before, Booker, or excuse me, Aiton played. He started seventy, played seventy-one games last year. Uh, Booker played sixty-four games last year. That's one thing too. We need Booker to be healthy. We need Booker to be healthy. Uh, and then Sarich played, I believe. 80, yep, here it is, 81 games last year. Ubre played 69 games last year, and he sat out that long period at the end of his year with the hand thing. Um, and then Rubio last year played 68 games. I forgot games. about the hand yeah, thing. Yeah, Rubio last year played 68 games. So if you can get those starters, and I think Bridges played 80 or 81 games, even though he only started like 56. So, he but did, he, get, he get, did get 11 seconds in that opener. That's right, big, big 11 seconds. <laughs> Historic 11 seconds. Uh, if, if we can get 70... 75 games out of the starters, then there's that consistency you need in the starting lineup. And you can really see what this team's, you know, capable of and what Monty Williams is capable of as a coach. So at any rate, I was going to talk about stat Amari Stoudemire trying to make a comeback, but we're running a little long. Trying trying to fight fans. Trying to fight fans, trying to make a comeback. Hopefully, I shouldn't say hopefully neither one of those happen. Hopefully the latter doesn't happen. I don't think the former is going to happen. Not that I love Amari. Yeah, well, let's, is, that him? is that his comeback? I mean, an NBA comeback. Yeah. <laughs> so, but best of luck to you, Amari Stoudemire. If you come back, hey, more power to you. I just want to see that man's face up in the ring honor someday. That's all I ask for. Not too much, right, Paul? Nope. You don't ask for too much ever. Never. I'm a very simple man. Just chasing you down the strip in Vegas. You know anyone? Yeah, well, sometimes you just, sometimes I feel the need to run away from you, okay? Yeah, I know. Literally. I know. But hey, then, then I get to borrow your money and gamble with it. Yeah, that worked out well for you. It did. Yeah, Paul, Paul, I, 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 okay, quick story. Nobody cares. I probably need to say this. I literally ran away from Paul on Friday night in Vegas. Like, I sprinted away. Yeah. And I left money that I had won with him. So instead of finding me like a good friend would, he went and gambled with my money and won himself more money. Yeah, it was great. It and was I a got win-win. My, I, I got my money back. And Paul got money, period. Yeah, and the vig hey. was that you ran away from me. That was and then, fair. I, then I found you. I told Paul, I was like, he's <laughs> like, I go, you notice I'm not asking you for like any cut of that. I appreciate you tracking me down. <laughs> as does my family, I'm sure. All right, dude. So let's wrap this up. Any last thoughts? Any last comments? Um, looking forward to Summer League next summer. Yay. Hopefully <laughs> earthquake free. Earthquake free and. More players. More players. More more players that are going to be in the NBA. Yeah. Like that Lakers. Just not on the Suns roster. That la- Yes, exactly. That Lakers-Clippers game, you mean Espo sitting there, we're like, there's not one guy here that's going to be playing in the NBA. Apparently Simeon Rice's son is on right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Jordan Caroline, who is making an appearance after the game. We're like, who is this guy? So, but at any rate, uh, again, I'm I'm on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. Follow uh, Paul on Twitter. Follow the the... the 
pod. Sorry, Paul, distract me. On Twitter, I'm at so says Jay Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Uh, and like we always say here on Fanning the Flames, we appreciate you all listening to us every week, every couple of weeks, whenever these pods actually come out. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. It's been real. Just wanna-